0: Hey team, this is Grant David Collins and welcome to Basement Philanthropy, a place for people who do not want to wait until they're rich or retired to create meaning, impact, and connection with their time, talents, and money, regardless of the amount. On this episode, we're going to be exploring what it's like to have a career in the giving space. So let's get started. I first met Lizzie and Tamsin on a cold November evening in late 2022. We had all just finished contributing to a service project to put bags on doors for a local food drive, and all of us were pretty freezing. So we headed back to the meeting place to get some hot chocolate, and with a hot cup in hand, I walked up to the two of them to get to know them a little bit better. And after a a few icebreaker questions, I realized that both of them worked in the nonprofit space, which was really intriguing to me because of the work that I do here at Basement Philanthropy. So a couple weeks later, I invited them out to dinner to hear about their stories. And as we were talking over pizza, I knew that they had to come on the podcast and share them with you. So I'm really excited for this episode to be able to give you some space on your side to think through your career. Is it meaningful? Is it fulfilling? And is there a way that either from a full-time or a part-time or a volunteer perspective, you can start incorporating the work of nonprofits into your professional career? Now, to get started, I wanted to take them back in time and ask them the question when they were children, What did they want to be when they grew up?
1: It's funny because I didn't have, like, one answer. I feel like I went through phases, and I feel like part of that is kind of the family I grew up in. Okay. So I had parents that had a lot of hobbies and kind of encouraged that in their kids, too. So... I don't know, like I was really into drawing for a while and I was like, I'm going to be an illustrator. And then I was into fashion design for a while and I was going to be a fashion designer. So for a while there, it was just, you know, pursuing these different things that interested me. And I was like, yeah, I could do that for work. I could make that my life. Um. So yeah, there was no like underlying passion that was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be this from like day one. But as I like explored and learned and, you know, discover different things, I think my interests gradually changed. Yeah. So that's kind of how I grew up, I guess, in that that way of it's okay to try different things and learn and then see what happens with it. Nice.
0: Yeah, when I was asked that question, I started out wanting to be a construction worker because I had this like VHS video that I watched. And it was like really cool people like driving trucks everywhere. I was like, this is
1: amazing. <laughs> the dream. And,
0: and then I wanted to be a doctor because Dr. Collins, like there's a ring about it, you know.
1: Yeah. Turns
0: out you shouldn't be a doctor because your name sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that was that was kind of my like iteration. I used to watch like heart surgery on YouTube. Oh I my don't gosh! Know why. <laughs> wow! I wanted to be a heart yeah. surgeon, yeah. then I like Doing actually thought about it and was like, I don't no. want to do that anymore. <laughs> um, what about you, Lizzy?
2: Um, I was always drawn to like dancing and singing, and I think that's probably mostly what I told people when they asked me when I wanted to be grow up is like, I want to be a dancer, I want to be a singer, um, and I think that's mostly just I I think my perception of like people you know, when they grow up, they do what they're good at. And I was like, I'm a good dancer. I'm a good singer. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And I also thought, like, you're just going to do what you enjoy. Um, And so I've always just been like, well, I really love dancing. I'm going to do that. So I'm pretty sure that's the only thing I ever said. And, like, well into my adult life, too. Like, that's what I ended up studying was dance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, as you all are working through this discovery that, everybody goes through in their life. And from my perspective, it probably should continue as you go through your life. Um, What about this concept of giving or service? Is that um, kind of a a parallel track that starts to form or is it kind of something that comes and goes? What, what kind of is the experience growing up around giving service, philanthropy, whatever it is that you're exposed to?
1: I think for me, so I went on my first international trip when I was, I had just graduated from high school. Cool. So I went to Europe and I loved it. It changed my life. And so when I got back, I was starting college and I was looking at the list of majors having no idea because, you know, I had several different interests at that time.
0: Yeah.
1: There was a European studies major and I was like, That would be fun. That sounds interesting.
0: I love Europe. Yeah, I I
1: really enjoyed my two weeks there. So why not make study it? So I did that. And I think that that whole program kind of exposed me to a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures and social problems that I had not experienced in my own life, but knew that other people were experiencing. And so that's kind of when the nonprofit sector kind of, became real to me and why I knew it was necessary, um, or why it was needed. So I think my studies that started out as like, this is cool. This is, (laughs) this will be fun. Yeah. Kind of exposed me to those things and opened up the great things about humanity and also the problems that we have. So that's. Yeah.
0: And when you were on that initial trip, were you exposed to anything in that or was it in your courses after or trips after that you started to see maybe the non-touristy mm-hmm. side of the world?
1: I would say it, would, it started with my studies. I went on a study abroad to London, too, and it was a sociology one. So we actually visited a couple different nonprofits and we spent a lot of time talking about um, some of those complex social problems that happen in um, big cities yeah. and actually seeing that firsthand. And like I said, we got to visit some of those nonprofits that were working in London. And um, there was one time we went to like Big Ben and there were all these life jackets out on yeah. the lawn and we were, we were like, what is this? And we found out it was life, life jackets that refugees had used on the crossing yeah. um, to get to Italy. And so, We ended up talking to some, it was, I can't remember which nonprofit it was, but some representative of that, that nonprofit. And I think that was probably one of the first times where I was like, wow, people do this for work. Like they, this is their job. They, um, educate people about these problems and they, they work to solve these things. So that was probably one of the first times where I knew it could be a career.
0: Mm, Cool. Yeah. And, uh, was that probably was around probably the Syrian refugee Mm -hmm. crisis. Is that when that happened? Yeah. Call that had an impact on a lot of people. That was one of the main things that got me kind of into the work too, was like hearing and seeing that Mm -hmm. just devastating and something that kind of opened my eyes to the work. Lizzie, what about you? And we don't have to go all the way to college. We can focus on earlier if that is where it is for you.
2: I can't say that it was earlier than (laughs) college. (laughs) That's fine. I wish I could. I don't think I ever thought uh, too much about it, like some path where I could be working in the nonprofit space, until I was in. um, It was in between, so I had graduated with my, you know, bachelor of fine arts and dance. Was trying to dance professionally for local um, organizations, and a lot of them are nonprofit organizations. local performance companies, I should say. Um, And I remember being a part of a project where it was just structured a lot differently. It wasn't just like, let's choreograph the show and have people watch it. And it's just kind of um, more entertainment, but it was like a very interactive show. And we had um, elementary school classes come in and participate and it was like, it was free to them. It was just like an experience for them to kind of, get a chance to be creative and um, just participate in art and learn about art in the way that it can really bring people together and really anybody can be good at dancing. Anybody can be good at, like, moving and being creative. And so that was, like, a unique unique experience for me, and I think it was a pivotal experience for me to realize how impactful art could be. I think that really mm. is the, um, the first... Thing that really drew me to this um, idea of like making an impact through my work. I mean, I knew before then, like, you know, art can be moving and it can really inspire people, but this was like so much more hands on and more intentional, I felt like, in some ways, just because it was like it was an immersive dance experience for these kids interesting and I I felt like it really empowered them as well at the same time and usually audience members are just like sitting there and they can think about it and maybe they'll get something out of it or not but this was just different and around that same time so I was I was dancing professionally but I was also working I was working as a teacher because I couldn't like I had to to make ends meet (laughs) you know like I wasn't making a lot of money as a um Just dancing. So, and I didn't, I knew that it wasn't sustainable. Like I needed to figure out something else other than doing these two different jobs. Um, And I just like wasn't, like I just knew this wasn't it. Like there was Mm -hmm. something more. And that's when I started pursuing maybe going back to school, looking at grad programs. I had a really hard time letting go of dance. I had dedicated so much of my time to it had a hard time letting go of art in general and thought oh, I'll just apply to this MFA program, MFA in dance, and I also applied to the to BYU's MPA program, so Master's in Public Administration. And I didn't end up getting into the MFA program. I was like, okay, I'll go the MPA route. <laughs> and I was just and I still just like I really went into it thinking like, well, I can learn about nonprofits. Most, you know, performing dance companies are nonprofit organizations. Maybe right. that's how I can, like, still hold on to dance and art is just, like, more work on, like, the administrative side of things and just kind of learn about how to run a nonprofit. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm, I guess during my studies in the grad program is when I was really open to, you know, open my eyes to nonprofit work and seeing myself in it in lots of different areas.
0: yeah. Yeah, I'd love to kind of dive into some of the education side of things where you both ended up coming together a little bit more and and becoming friends. But before, something that really struck me about what you just said was this concept of like audience versus like the performer. And I think it's a really good analogy for what often happens in the nonprofit sector. Uh, where we have these donors who are kind of quote unquote the audience and we have the performers who are like the people that are working for nonprofits or the people that are getting affected by them. And there's like this, you know, the the third wall or whatever it's mm-hmm. called in, in acting that we like, we don't break quote unquote. And what was interesting about what you said was that it was in breaking that that you started to recognize like, hey, there's something that can be done when I start to mix these talents or these things that I have with people and in your case, like elementary school kids, Mm -hmm. exposing them to art, getting them to move those types of things can be very impactful for somebody. And I think that that's a really interesting way to look at giving and service Mm -hmm. as well is if we look at it from a distance perspective and say like, Hey, like you have your place, we have our place. I think that that is when isn't very impactful. But when we mm-hmm. look for ways to like cross those, it can impact both sides. And I think that's the cool thing about what you just yeah. talked about. You were, you're were you a performer and you are interacting with the audience and that's what kind of causes you to say, hmm, maybe there's something here. Yeah. So you all become friends, you're working through the program. And maybe uh, one thing that may be interesting to people is, as um, they're listening to this is, from an education standpoint what do you feel like the education did for you was it more just like an introduction to give you frameworks to work around thinking about giving and service what what did you what did you gather from that outside of like what people get in any type of education
1: so much yeah. <laughs> i feel like it really was
2: like all of it like i didn't know a lot about nonprofits going into this program to be honest i hadn't worked for any really other than Being a performer. But, um, yeah, I feel like they taught me not only, like, the structure of nonprofits and how they come together and how they should be run. But, yeah, and then I think that first year I was learning a lot about just, like, all the different kinds um, and what it can look like, you know, how – like, both small and very large. And then into the second year I feel like they really – um, did a good job of teaching us how to you know be effective as a nonprofit. I think a lot of them are just always trying to keep their head above water and maybe aren't really they have a great vision and mission, but they just can't bring it to fruition. And mm. so I think I learned a lot of practical skills
1: in. And that. they gave us a lot of opportunities to interact directly. Like we did a lot of projects for mm. nonprofits. Um, so we were actually doing work and seeing people implement some of the things that we were providing yeah. for them. And so it was great to like make connections with nonprofits, gain the skills, the knowledge. And, um, I feel like a lot of people went into our program wanting to do <laughs> different things and either cause it was public sector and nonprofit, So people yeah. were doing local government, um, things like that too. Yeah. Um so a lot of transition in our cohort where people were either moving away from nonprofits or towards them so um yeah i think it was very educational in a lot of ways Nice <laughs> yeah.
0: So as you're working so as you're working through this how do you then start to get to where where you both landed right now um as far as like where you both are working
1: um, so I, I work for the Red Cross now. I'm on their development team, like the Utah-Nevada region, and I do a lot of data stuff and manage volunteers. And if you had told me before I did the program that I'd be doing data stuff, I'd be like, mm, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think European that was a <laughs> <Studies. laughs> yeah, bit of a – yeah dramatic change but that was one thing that the program did give me was those hard skills excel spreadsheets great at using those now (laughs) yeah so i think realizing i could do work in the nonprofit sector with a specialized skill yeah um, that's really what the program gave me and it wasn't necessarily like my first choice but um it was something i knew i could do and i could do well so yeah that's where i am now
0: Got it. Yeah. I I think it's interesting that as a society, we often put nonprofits in a different sector as other businesses. Like, oh yeah, like they're doing their stuff and you don't really have to be super competent. And and when it's like the exact opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need all (laughs) of the things that you need to be a successful business, to be a successful nonprofit. Uh And like in in a lot of ways, it's more important work uh, than you know selling some widget to somebody, and oftentimes there is a little bit maybe of a, a pay discrepancy. But the skill set that's needed to operate these areas efficiently is the same, if not greater, than in like a private commercial setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, that was something that was curious that I was really curious about as we um, have talked a little bit, Tamsin, is this hearing about how. Th- I mean, the, the Red Cross is a huge nonprofit, mm-hmm. a lot the of different things one. that they're involved with, right? <laughs> so is they, it the biggest, I, don't know. The
1: biggest okay. I mean, like the international, right. the yeah. largest okay. international network. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they've, they <gasps> definitely have their stuff together. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really interesting for me to hear a little bit more about is that, uh, you know, your job description sounds very similar to what could be at any other company. Mm-hmm. It's just focused in a little bit of a different way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that is maybe a misconception that you you just mentioned that, that um, nonprofits is just kind of these people doing good work, doing service, but there are needs for people who can manage a business, um, who can do program evaluation, who can implement programs, be managers. So that was, you know, our program is in the business school for a reason. So,
0: Yeah. 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 What about you, Lizzie? What did you end up getting into and how did you get there?
2: Um so I work for One Refugee. I'm an education manager. So they're a nonprofit organization that helps refugee college students get their bachelor's degrees. Cool. And I got there. So I mean, yeah, before starting this the MPA program, I never would have thought I'd be working. I just really <laughs> thought I would be working in the nonprofit arts sector. But um my first semester of the program, I was introduced to One Refugee. I, like, volunteered to, like, help One Refugee. Well, I would not actually know. I just volunteered to be on a team to practice some skills we were learning in class. <laughs> Got it. And they assigned me to this team, and, one re- and we were working with One Refugee. And I just really enjoyed that experience. It was just, like, loved practicing skills I was learning in class, but also just loved learning about this organization and felt like they just really trusted us and— I don't know. Anyways, great experience. Um, and then a little bit later saw that they were hiring for an intern and I was like, well, I got to do an internship. Yeah. Like it was basically a requirement of our program. Yeah. So I applied, got it and loved my internship. Still this whole time though, I was pretty set on like working in the nonprofit arts sector again, because I just had a hard time letting go of my past. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I just really enjoyed it. Loved the people I was working with. Loved um, their cause. They just really believed in it. And I really feel like they just do such a good job of um, making the impact that they're trying to. Yeah. And then, um, but then, like, I think towards the end of our last year in the program, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking to into, like, arts organizations to work for and talking to some and it never felt right. and never felt like a good fit. And the more I, like, looked into it, the less interested I became. And I just always looked back fondly on working for One Refugee and just knew, like, I would be so comfortable there and so happy there. Like, despite it being completely different, mm. like, c- completely different cause than I saw myself working for, I just knew that it felt like it could be a really fulfilling and good fit for me like I felt confident in being able to do a good job there and then luckily they were hiring pretty soon after I graduated there were some stressful months (laughs) of like are they gonna be hired (laughs) and then they were and so and yeah gratefully they gave me this position
0: yeah Um, so day-to-day Tamsin you're involved with kind of the data the volunteer organization mm -hmm. um Kind of feedback that the Red Cross has, and then uh, on your end, Lizzie, you're actually working with these individuals who are getting their bachelor's degree as uh, kind of a a coach or a support. Yeah, like a mentor.
2: Yeah, a lot. The main, um, my main role is being like an academic mentor for these college students. I meet with them one on one at least once a month, and just helping them. They're they're all coming from you know different backgrounds and have different familiarity with the U.S. education system. So it really ranges what I'm helping them with, but really just being somebody they can go to Got it. for any questions, any help. Yeah.
0: There are a lot of myths or misunderstandings around nonprofits. Um, and I'm wondering if uh, we, we had a little bit of a conversation before this where we, we texted a little bit about questions. I'm wondering if anything came up and doesn't if nothing came up, it's fine. But I'm wondering if like things came to your mind as like, oh yeah, if I could tell the world something about nonprofits or prove something wrong or mm-hmm. speak into something, this is what I would want to say.
1: I think we kind of addressed some of the things I was thinking about, for example, um, the the need for skilled workers and specialized workers who get paid a fair wage. And I think there is kind of a stigma against. Maybe like top leaders and nonprofits getting paid well, and I think people think while they're doing work that's funded by donors, they shouldn't be getting paid the same as maybe people in the private sector. But I think if we if nonprofits want to attract skill who can um, implement those programs in the most effective way, they do need to pay people well. So yeah. I think I think that's one thing. I, mm-hmm. And we were talking. We've been in this space for a while now, so it's it's kind of hard to see to think about the outside view, like what pre- people people's perceptions are. So, but I think that still is is one that um, is pretty common. So yeah. yeah,
0: you were we. I think we've talked about this before, but there's this uh kind of administrative um, burden that is put out a lot of times as far as like make sure that your dollar is going the farthest and that most of it's mm-hmm. not going to admin and mm-hmm. i mean that's legit in some ways like there are nonprofits that aren't run very well and that you know there's bad actors in every space but mm-hmm. i think that sometimes as a population we put that out there as like oh man if 40 cents of your dollar is going to admin then it's not a good nonprofit to donate to mm-hmm. which is just not true because Like if $0.40 is going to admin that is using the other $0.60 effectively Mm -hmm. or they need it in order to get the goods, you know, there's so many different things that happen. Like, (laughs) yes, like you have to pay for those types of things. And I think that that's something that sometimes bothers me about the way that we look at impact when we don't have actual eyes on it. Um, I think it's a fair critique but it is only a critique in certain scenarios and shouldn't be used as like this copy and paste in, in every interaction that we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>
0: yeah. Preach it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Another misconception I was thinking about is I think a lot of people perceive like people who work for nonprofits to have these like bleeding hearts and that they're, work really – they maybe don't have a great work-life balance. Like, mm. it always bleeds into their personal life as well or just kind of takes over. And that I think people also perceive that there's a lot of, like, burnout with employees working for n- nonprofits, which I think is the case for yeah. sure in some um, organizations. But, I I mean, my experience has been – th- and I've not only just with one refugee but also just, like, friends I have that work for nonprofits and just also um, – you know, working with nonprofits while I was in school, I think um, that's just not the case. I think it's very similar to other jobs. I, like, go to work 9 to 5, and then I'm done. And um, I, you know, have a boss who really cares about my well-being, and he mm. doesn't expect me to do more than, you know, what I signed on to do. And so I think that's another misconception, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's— uh, uh it- if for anybody that is listening that is not finding their career to be fulfilling like i just probably would just invite people to just consider that their skill set could be used in the nonprofit space and that there are jobs that are fairly paid and are in areas of great impact that could really be um their talents could really be useful in that area And with some of those misconceptions, sometimes people don't even apply or even think about that as a space and doesn't mean that everybody has to do it. But at the same time, like include that in your job search or in your search for meaning or fulfillment or your next career move, like consider a nonprofit in that uh, because they are so impactful and there is such a great need um, in in all areas of, of the work. Well, I, yeah, I just have loved our, our interaction outside of today. And especially today, as we've kind of talked through different things, it's so valuable for me to have people like you two in my life that can shed some light on some of these things, uh, that really, you just can't have a really good understanding until you get involved. Um, and so, you know, next time hot chocolate is available, like you're going to be looking around for the people that, <laughs> that seem like they look, they, they are introverted. known for all this. <laughs> they have it like written on their face. <laughs> <laughs> we like people. <laughs> well, team, that's it for me. Let's go out in the world and create good with the money, time and resources that we all have to share and maybe Think about doing it as a career together. Talk soon.